think so. I've never done this before, so just, uh, patience with me if I mess something up. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. There is nothing you can mess up because this is, like, about you and your story and... I listened to tons of podcasts, though, so I feel like I'm going to do okay. Um, and I was just listening to Serial Killers. Um, yes, I can't stop. It's like, it's unhealthy, but I'm in the car a lot, so Welcome back, everybody. It's your host, Natalia, here for another episode of More Than a Pretty Face. Today, I'm here with my delightful friend and awesome lady, um, Allie Collier. Allie, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so this is Allie Collier. Um, thanks so much, Natalia, for having me on the podcast. I'm super honored just to be asked. But um, <laughs> just to give you a little background, so I am a realtor. Um, I have been doing this. I'm in my third year now, so uh, still. Oh my, has it really been that long? Yeah, because I, I remember when you started. Oh my god, I've been. Yeah. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> Time flies. Um, but yeah, so I'm in my third year, and um, it's just been a really great experience. Uh, I I'm pretty humble, so I don't want to like, you know, dive into like brag territory. But uh, I feel like I'm kicked butt pretty well in my first few years you have I wanna I kind of want to start there because I remember we were all like in our so how Allie and I met we both go to the same church um and we were in a small group together and I remember you saying so guys like I'm gonna do this big career change and you're like what is it you're like I'm gonna become a realtor because you have no set income and you're like I just kind of have to find people so I kind of want to start there and like what your process was like to kind of making this huge career change in, in your life yeah that's a great question so I I actually moved to the area I'm originally from Carson City Nevada um, and I had moved to the area right after college and I worked on the hill uh, and, you know, a lot of people know with hill work, it's grueling hours. You don't get paid that much. And then I went into a marketing job after that. I was actually on the senator's press team that I started on. Uh, I have a journalism degree. But um, so then after that, I went into marketing. Uh, I liked that better. But I was just so I was so tired of people making so many decisions on my behalf. When I could go mm. see the doctor, you know, how much time I got. Uh, like if, it, if I worked extra hours, did it count towards anything? Um, and I just figured if I'm going to be in this rat race almost, I, you know, I would rather be building my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had saved, I had two jobs, like the entire time I was working on the Hill and in marketing, uh, I worked at the Capital One Arena. Mm-hmm. And so I had taken every single paycheck and put it into my savings. And so at that point I had a substantial you know, amount of savings put in there. And so I figured I'm going to try this because I've always wanted to, you know, start my own business. And if I don't do very well at the beginning, I at least have something to live off of for a little while. And if I really crash and burn, then, you know, fine, then I'll go back to the desk job. So that was how I got into it. I, I was so lucky because I mean, I, I really did do a lot of research when I was trying to figure out what brokerage I wanted to go with. And if I wanted to be on a team, but I ended up 
Googling Keller Williams teams and the team I found that I'm, I'm still on the same team. Um, I found them by simply Googling Keller Williams teams. And it turned out that the team I had found was one of the top teams in the area, like top 1% of real estate agents in the country. Wow. And so I joined that team and that like really gave me this kickstart into this awesome career that I love so much. So that's a little bit of background. (laughs) So you just wanted, you were just kind of like, this is a way for me to build my business. Did you look into other ways to kind of start your own business or was real, 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 you know what I'm trying? Words are really hard right now. (laughs) (laughs) Was this like the only path you kind of saw for yourself to start a business? Yeah, I and I, to be honest with you, I didn't, I looked a little bit into like jobs that weren't quite such a transition, like jobs where you had a salary, but made commission on top of it. But the problem was it still had what I was trying to avoid. It was still like, you know, specific hours, specific vacation time, the list goes on. So I just decided if I was going to go for it, I really needed to go for it. And real estate, truthfully, is kind of one of the easier ones I'm going to say easier to get into and make a career out of because you do have to work really hard. But it's one of the least costly Mm. businesses you can get into in terms of getting your actual license and certifications and diving in. Uh, My mom's a realtor. Mm. So I think that was some motivation for me. My dad is also like a 1099 contractor. So I grew up with people who essentially ran their own businesses. And so I decided mm-hmm. to go into real estate. I think just because I could have done something like financial advising or something like that too. Uh, but it just didn't, it didn't sound as fun to me. I love like <laughs> TV. So. <laughs> and what was it like before you got that first sale? Like what, what was that gap in between, I guess? Yeah, I, so again, I was really fortunate to be on a really great team. And I think my team lead could, tell that I just had a lot of motivation to really get after it. And so I was super blessed in that, uh, I think, okay, so two months, two months after I started, I closed on a house. Oh, wow. Yeah. And my first year I, I sold 15 houses my first year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like when people start on their own, a pretty good agent will usually sell like six houses their first year. But mm. because I was on a really great team and I, I'm a pretty social person. So I had a decent, you know, social circle. And mm-hmm. so between a good team and my social circle, I just had kind of a, a nice rocket start. It is hard to go from a salary paid position to commission based. And I remember at the beginning being like up at night, um, you know, it's just nerve wracking, but And I mean, truthfully, this is where like faith is a big portion for me. I really felt like I was meant to go this direction. Mm -hmm. I had done a lot of praying and even now, you know, there's times where I don't have anything closed and it, it makes you nervous. (laughs) Um, but I just trust that God has a plan and that I think this would be a lot harder if I didn't have that faith, Mm. Uh, but I just, I know he's going to provide. So how do you, so starting your own business, what is that like for you? Even even though it's like, it, you said it was one of the easier ones to get into in terms of financially, but what is that like to 
you kind of have to set up a plan. You have to set up a budget. You know, you're still part of this team and that comes with its own responsibility. So what does all of that look like for you? So what I was doing, so when I first started, I was still with my last marketing job. And so I was getting up at like five in the morning to, because you had to do 60 hours of school in order to take your real estate licensing exam. Mm, mm. So I was getting up at like five in the morning, getting a few hours in before work, a couple of hours in after work. And so I got it done in a couple of months. Um, But the biggest thing was like, what am I, you know, am I going to just dive in and transition? Mm-hmm. And I pretty much did that. My old job needed me to do a little bit of contracting work for them when I left. So I was maybe doing like 10 hours for them a week and they were paying, paying me hourly. So it was a little bit of a boost, but yeah, the biggest thing is just, you, you go through all this material when you, you know, when you're getting <laughs> your real estate license. And honestly, I like, if I'm being totally honest, None of it is really, I'm not going to say it's not applicable. Like, (laughs) you know, it's good that you know the rules and everything Mm -hmm. like that. But it's not like they teach you how to write an offer or a contract on a house. Mm -hmm. Um, So following when I finally like totally dove in, which uh, was, I think like a month after I had actually joined the team and gotten Mm -hmm. started. Um, I just started shadowing my real estate team lead. I'd go to all the home inspections. Uh, I would watch her write up contracts. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to be a sponge, essentially. I just wanted to learn absolutely as much as I could. And I don't know. It's interesting because over time, everything just becomes so much easier. Um, and we have a few new agents on our team now. And I kind of feel like I mentored them through a lot of things because mm-hmm. they're learning. Um, so it is amazing how that transition occurs, but truthfully, it's because I was on a really great team. My team lead was available to me pretty much at any given time. So I could call her and ask questions. And now, I mean, I guess, how do you, how do you go about selling? Cause I feel like, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing to me to think about like trying to sell somebody something and also like such a big something. It's not like yeah. you're trying to just sell a pair of shoes, you know, like you're selling a house that comes with like insurance and bills and no absolutely I think at a certain point when you've been doing this for a while you just gain confidence I've seen a ton of houses now uh you know I've sold a lot of houses so I've seen what a good quality house looks like and also I've been to so many home inspections Mm -hmm. that usually usually I know at least what the big stuff that's going to come up in the inspection so you know when I'm going around with my clients and usually they'll identify which houses they like. So, you know, I'll set them up with like an automated email every day with listings that match their search criteria. And then they'll be like, Oh, I'm interested in this one and that one. And we'll go visit the houses and, you know, I'll be on the lookout. Um, or, you know, how old is the the furnace? How old is the AC system? Uh, what does the roof look like? How's the water heater? That kind of stuff. And when you've been doing it for a while, you're very familiar with, this kind of stuff so I I do you gain a confidence at some point and I I would say 100% of the time when my client buys a house like I really like it too (laughs) you're secretly shopping for yourself as you're (laughs) I'm like usually really excited for them though because the house is most of the houses in this area are pretty nice yeah um, but it's, yeah, it's walking through the process. I think actually the hardest part about real estate specifically in this market is just, it's so competitive Yeah. Um, that 
there's a lot of strategy that goes into writing an offer. And honestly, you could submit a really good offer and still not get the house. So I, I feel like a lot of it too is you've got to remain positive because it is a hard market to buy. Mm-hmm. What did you have a moment when you were kind of like, oh no, I can't do this? When oh, you yeah. started your like, what was that? What was that first moment that you were just like, oh no, I made a mistake? Honestly, I don't even. I've had that happen countless times. I'm just like, what did I do to myself? <laughs> even now, sometimes, like I'll work, I don't know, thirty hours in a weekend, and I'm exhausted, and I'm mm-hmm. like, what did I do to myself? You know. <laughs> um, but I just try to remind myself, you're gonna have a bad day on the job and uncertainty with really any job Mm -hmm. so like I have a hard time believing that anybody doesn't have a bad day at work on it on occasion Mm -hmm. and so for me it's like yeah you just I I always tell myself if I have a bad day like you know you can moan and groan about it for like 24 hours but you don't have (laughs) time to sit there and do that so you've got to get back at it the next day what has been kind of the most rewarding part for you like you said, buying a house is just such a big deal. And the fact that I get to help people do that every day is so cool. Um, Cause I, like, I know what it was like when I bought my first house. Mm-hmm. You're just so excited. So like the fact that I get to share that joy with people, I think is, it's just the most fulfilling part about the career. And you know, I'm just like super thankful because I've worked with a lot of really great people and you can tell they're just so thankful for your help you know Mm. do you feel like I I feel like when you make big career changes like this you kind of worry what was all the things that you did before worth it you know and do you have regrets in in that sense I don't know if I do because like I think the the other jobs I was just miserable Mm. and like those pushed me to kind of be like you know what like I have to make this work Mm. because I like I do not want to go back to nine to five um so if anything I think it just gave me more ambition and I will say another thing that I have kind of hard time with is like I I look young on top of the fact that I'm younger than most real Mm -hmm. estate I also look young and so uh but yeah so like I was saying you know I look young I'm younger than a lot of realtors. And so I I do think if I had started in real estate when I was in my early 20s, like, you know, Mm -hmm. rather than going into marketing and and journalism, uh, I just don't know if people would have taken me seriously. Mm -hmm. Can you expand on that? Do you feel like this is it's like an old person's game? Yeah. Real estate? Like, yes, I really do feel like it is. It's like I feel like the majority of the people who are in it, there's one or two types of people. There's like the older lady who, and, mm-hmm. and no offense. I mean, so I'm not trying to offend anyone. Like, <laughs> you know, this is your secondary job, more power to you. But I feel like there's a lot of people who, um, maybe just do it part. They like dabble because mm-hmm. they don't necessarily need the income. So they're, and they're usually a little older. And then like the people who have been in the game for, for like decades, <laughs> <laughs> there's no uh, in between I mean they had to be 20 at some point too you know yeah <laughs> yeah and I I don't know when you know it'd be interesting to go back to see when they started but yeah sometimes I walk into a room with my clients so it'll be like an open house and the listing agent is there 
And they're like, oh, and they start talking to us and they don't even realize that I'm a realtor. And then, you know, when I introduce myself, they're like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like, uh, do you think that's like been to your advantage or your disadvantage, you being so young? Uh, A little bit of both. I think it's to my disadvantage for maybe older clients who Mm. put a lot of value in someone who has years upon years of experience. But I find that, you know, most of the people that I work with are first time home buyers. Uh, you know, I could work with anyone, but I found that that is pretty much where a lot of my buyers and sellers are. It's people who are younger. Mm-hmm. And I think because I have a little more charisma and a little bit more like go getter attitude, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's to my advantage with people who are a little bit younger. Um, so I think it works in both directions and yeah, it's very interesting. Now, what has doing real estate allowed you to do? You talked about, you know, not wanting that nine to five and kind of being able to say when you're going to take your vacations and stuff. What has that, what has real estate really allowed for you in your life? I, so in, in being totally honest, it's still hard to take a vacation Mm. because when you're out of town and you can't take people buy houses um you know it's it's hard but I think for me the biggest improvement is when I don't have a lot of stuff to work on I can do things for me Mm. so it's the little things like in the middle of the day if if you know I've answered all my emails and I've done all my marketing work I've done my lead generating Um, you know, I can go read a book or I just love that I have more opportunity to do things that I love during the day when the sun's up, (laughs) Um, you know, and I'm not stuck in a building. I can go, can go run by the store when I need to. So I just think it's opened up a lot more ability just to enjoy myself truthfully. Um, that was like one of my biggest pet peeves was sitting at the office just to fill the nine to five mm. timeline, even though I didn't have anything left to do in my position. Mm. Um, it was always just a little bit of pet peeve because it, it just feels like such a waste of people's time, you know? Mm. Uh, so, but, and I have gotten to go on, I think more vacations than I used to because it is easier for me to slip out on like a Friday afternoon and come back Monday afternoon and then show houses Monday night. Mm-hmm. So I've taken more like extended weekends. And what has this, what has doing real estate maybe taken from you in a sense? Well, definitely like I am on the clock pretty much 24 seven. Mm-hmm. So now that I've been in it for a couple of years, it's not quite as bad. But when I first started, I felt a very, very deep um, like obligation to be available 24-7. So mm. whether I was having dinner with my fiancé or if family was in town, I I would, like, be rude and leave and take a phone call in the middle of dinner. Um, mm. And so I think it has, it has a little bit taken away, you know, like nights and weekends, I have to be a little bit more concerned about someone reaching out, even if I have my own plans. And what has stopped, I guess, what, I guess what, you know, has stopped you from being like, no, this is my time. 
you know, yeah. because that was something that you wanted so much. And that was the reason you came into reality. Yeah. I don't know why I can't say that word today. <laughs> okay. um, to, you know, because you wanted to try yeah. to change that structure. So what has, what do you think has stopped you from saying that? Well, I've gotten better. So now that I'm in my third year, I, I will tell people I've already, I have prior obligations. Um, mm. So unless it's something that is, you know, it depends on how important it is. So I, I really do make an effort to go and show people houses like either the day of or the day after that they ask to see a house because they, they're just gone so fast. Mm-hmm. But I will, if it's not pressing and it's not normal business hours and it doesn't need a response until the next day, I will wait now. And it's amazing. You know, people don't seem upset about it. Um, mm. I get a lot of emails that are like, don't worry about it. You know, uh, we know you have a life outside of your job. <laughs> so I've gotten better. I, I was not great about it when I started and now I'm so much more relaxed. And I, I think that comes with experience and realizing that you can't feel guilty every single time you can't like, you know, drop everything and run to go do something for someone. And I think, I think that's something that's kind of drilled into us from like yeah. a young age and especially just the way we set up our like work structure in the U.S. is like you need to be on call 24-7 for your job. And I can definitely feel that, like, in journalism. Like, I feel like I constantly have to be on, like, check my email. I check my email at least, like, two or three times a day when I'm not working. Like, just in case, like, someone needs me to know something for the next day. Um, So, yeah, I I feel like I totally relate to that. And it's, it's hard for people, I think, especially women, to get to a point where we can feel like we can say no. Yeah, I agree with that. So I've, I have structured certain times in the day that I, unless it is really important, I do not respond. So uh, I get up usually around 6.30. I go running with my dog. Um, and then I go sit on my back deck for a half an hour. And I usually finish my podcast that I've been listening to <laughs> during my run. Um, but I will sit out there and I will drink my ice water and eat my breakfast and um, usually I'll, that's like kind of my spiritual time. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll pray. Um, and I, I don't, I don't even bring my phone out there unless I'm like finishing up the podcast because mm-hmm. that, that is my time. So I usually, the morning is my favorite because usually I'll wait until about 830 to start getting to my emails. Mm-hmm. And so I've had like two hours to really just give me my me time. Um, and I also try to pick an hour during the day if I'm not. I mean, sometimes I'm overwhelmingly busy, mm-hmm. but I try to give myself an hour every day to try to like recharge. So I'll read a book for a little while or I'll watch one of my favorite shows. I try to do like a lunch hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, I, I had a hard time in the beginning cause I was like, oh, I'm not doing anything like for this hour. I should be doing something, but you work so many extra hours at night and over the weekend that you have to give yourself grace. Like. I can imagine because like if you're talking about people buying houses like you have to do it more so around their schedule yeah you know because like they work during the day yeah and it took me a really long time to be okay with having a little bit of flexibility and free time during the day and not feeling like I wasn't doing enough but now Mm. I've just accepted that I work so many odd hours that if if I you know spend a day cleaning or something it's fine 
Do you feel like you've gained, I don't know, more more self or like or a better like work life balance from doing this because you're able to kind of construct your own hours and your own time and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Because I can just pick a block every day. And if I've got something I want to go do, I just I refuse to schedule things during that time. So even if it's like an entire Friday afternoon because my fiance and I want to go play golf, I'll do that on occasion. <laughs> you know, it's really nice and it's so nice because I don't have to get permission from a boss. You know, mm-hmm. I'm accountable to myself. Um, and if I'm not making any money, then it affects me, but it really doesn't affect anybody else. Mm. So I like that you brought up brought up money. How does that work for you to like make money? I know in this, yeah. I think it's. Do you feel like it's better in this area or worse? I mean, this area is more affluent than, I think, a majority of the country. And like you were saying, here is, like, way more competitive. But are you, you know, worried about that? How does your insurance work? Like, you know, like all of those things. Good questions. Um, So, actually, when I was getting started, the one thing my parents told me, they were like, we don't really want you to do this unless you can figure out how to get health insurance. Mm. So I started doing research. Um, I could have gotten it off the exchange. I ended up, my office recommended I talk to this guy who, you know, works with people to get health insurance. And mine's through U.S. Health. And my policy is not the best. Like, I have a little bit of preventative care so I can go see the doctor once a year. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, if I'm dying, they will cover a lot of the <laughs> But <laughs> if I'm dying, they'll, like, see what they can do. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> so, honestly, the health insurance is, I'm going to say it's pretty mediocre. But I, it's okay. Like, if I had something bad happen, I would be covered. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that that was a little challenging. So, yeah, I mean, you just want to talk to a healthcare broker, healthcare insurance broker, because they'll be able to kind of shop around for you and figure out what your best option is. Um. But yeah, the way that we get paid, it's really like the hardest part about being in real estate is it's, it can be inconsistent if you Mm. don't have business coming through. And so, you know, we don't have a salary or anything like that. If anything, we have to pay monthly because we have to be part of, we have to pay a monthly fee to be part of an office. Mm -hmm. So how it works is, you know, when we actually sell a house and it closes, that's when the commission is paid to the brokerage and then the brokerage takes their cut and then you're part of the team. A team takes their cut, and then usually, you know, whatever's left goes to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why, if anybody you know who's listening to this is thinking about going into real estate, make sure you do research and find out, you know, what percentage you get from your broker or your brokerage. And if you're going to join a team, make sure you do a little bit of research to figure out what kind of splits are available with teams, um, because it it really does impact your income. And do you feel like it's complete? It's completely like your own business. So it's like, do you have to operate kind of like as an LLC? And you're, are you Allie LLC? You know, like, so, yeah, you don't have to. Um, I don't have an LLC set up, but it is an option. I, I considered it, uh, and I still think about it because honestly, and let's you know, God forbid this ever happens, but if you get sued, like your assets aren't attached. Mm-hmm. You have an LLC, so it probably is a good idea. I had some pretty long conversations with my team lead about this when I first started, and she just didn't think the cost of creating the LLC and maintaining it was worth mm. uh, like what you get. But I like 
talk to, if anybody's thinking about it, I would talk to a financial advisor because I'm still not sure what the best answer is for that. You do have a lot of options. And I think especially if you got bigger and started building a team, you definitely want to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, do you ever feel like you can branch out and, and start your own team or just branch out in general? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the nice thing about real estate is I feel like with traditional jobs, you know, you go out and you try to fill out these applications for these positions. But if you're kicking butt in real estate, there's going to be all sorts of brokerages trying to talk to you and bring you on. So it's mm. kind of like you get to pick and choose, which is really cool. It's mm -hmm. different, you know, than anything I've experienced before. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I've, I've considered starting my own team and, uh, you know, there's a chance I will in the future. But uh, I, I've been trying to wait. It's it's really nice being on, you know, a team and having a little bit of support if you're going to be out of town and kind of with everything I've got, got going on as of now, I, I just plan to stay put for a while. But um, yeah, you definitely have the opportunity. Do you feel like you would be a good mentor in a sense to do that? Is that where your consideration of starting a team comes in? Because you were saying that you started to mentor you know, new people that are on your team. Yeah, I really like the idea of it because it really, you're like giving people more opportunity, which is, I mean, that's kind of why I got into this. I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be really fun to bring on new agents and kind of train them to become really good. I think the biggest thing, though, is if you want to do something like that, you've got to have enough business to be giving leads to people. Mm -hmm. And so I would say... I'm having a good year. I'm probably going to sell like right around 25 houses this year. Oh, wow. Which is great. I mean, that's a good amount of houses for someone who's been in the business for a few years. But um, I would like to like double that if I were to mm -hmm. bring people on because I'd want to distribute the leads somehow. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest thing is if you get to a point where you can no longer handle the business on your own, mm -hmm. that's when you usually want to grow. And there's tons of books and strategies on this, but usually people will bring on like an admin first. Mm. And then if they still, so that people are handling the paperwork so you can be out and about more. And then if it becomes too great after that, usually you'll bring on a buyer agent so that they can free you up on having to do tons and tons of showings every week. So that's usually like how the progression starts if you're going to build a team in real estate. Okay. Yeah. Now I want to talk more about like your front facing like client side, sure. you know, what is it like to kind of find clients and convince them that you should be the one to sell a house or you should like sell their house, you know? Yeah. So I will say our team is I mean, I'm not going to say lucky. We work really hard, but we're blessed in that most of our business is referral-based. Mm. So most of the clients that we have come in have worked with us before and have they know we've done a good job. So, like, it will be a past client who says, oh, I worked with Allie last time and she did awesome. And so they'll give my phone number to someone else. That's a good chunk of business. Um, and then another one for me is a lot of times my sphere of influence is what they call it. You, you have pillars in real estate of where you get businesses from mm -hmm. or business from. And so the sphere of influence is the people that you interact with. And, and so I found that if you go out and socialize a lot, people can tell that you're a hard worker. Usually if they've gotten to know you, they trust you. I, I, 
I think the best way to do it is to demonstrate knowledge. So when I have mm. someone reach out, the first thing I will do is set up a buyer consultation. Mm-hmm. It's usually about an hour and I will walk them through in depth the entire process of buying a house so that I've demonstrated my knowledge. And I've found that a lot of the time or like a listing appointment where I will talk through the entire process. What I found is if the people have talked to other agents, they're like, wow, I didn't go through any of this information. with the other. <laughs> They're like, wow, this is so informative. And then that kind of seals the deal. Mm-hmm. So usually I'm not there like trying to sell myself necessarily. I'm mm. trying to demonstrate that I'm knowledgeable and that I'm on top of it. And that when you email me, you will get a response within a couple of hours, mm-hmm. unless it's the middle of the night. Because <laughs> you're like, then I'm sleeping. Because I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's the biggest thing is you've just got to show people that you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be their guide or their expert. And if you demonstrate that early on, I think it's not as hard to gain people's business and trust. Now, do you consider yourself an expert? Because I think for me, when people come and ask me about stuff, they're like, oh, because I know you know. I was like, I know nothing. You know, like it's that it's that fear of like I if you come to me and expect me to know everything. Yeah, I may know a little bit, but I'm scared to tell you that I do know a lot because then what if I give you the wrong information? This, what I've learned, I don't, there's parts of real estate that I can consider myself an expert in, you mm-hmm. know, like putting together a contract or an offer. I have done so many of that. Like I've done that so many times now that I probably would consider myself an expert in coming up with good strategies to try to beat out the competition. Mm-hmm. The thing that's really hard in real estate, unless you farm a very specific neighborhood. So meaning you do most of your business in like, I don't know, one specific area, Kingstown, for mm-hmm. example where I live unless you work exclusively in one area people will you know ask me well you know like and I'm not anticipating the question what is you know a single family home go for in this specific neighborhood in Centerville Mm -hmm. and in those moments I I would say I'm not necessarily an expert I'm like the next real estate agent who probably doesn't know (laughs) the answer right off the top of their head too so I think in some ways, it's understanding that you have the ability to get the data to mm-hmm. know what houses are going for, and you know how to analyze the data and use it moving forward. So mm-hmm. if I don't know something, I will say, you know, that's a great question. Let me go home and do some research for you. You know, again, demonstrating that I'm going to go and, and you know, do, do extra work for them, take the extra step so that I can get them the right information. So I'm not an expert all the time. Sometimes I feel like maybe I am, but uh, a lot of times, like, I do. I need to go and and look some stuff up before I feel like I can give them a good answer. Mm -hmm. But I I fess up to it when there's a moment like that. You know, I'm always honest with them about it. And why do you like working with first-time homebuyers? You know, what draws you to them? They're just so much more excited. Mm. You know, it's like it's their first home and... Maybe because I've just gone through it for the first time and Mm -hmm. I thought it was so much fun. (laughs) I just just like to share that with other people. I mean, I'll work with anyone, but I I really do think it's the most fun when this is going to sound like, I don't know, but I feel like they just haven't been jaded by the system yet. Mm -hmm. Like people who have done this before, they know that it's, 
not necessarily super fun trying to go up against a bunch of people on a home in Virginia, right? Mm-hmm. But the first time homebuyers, they don't know yet that it's going to be kind of a struggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's nice because you've got, I just feel like there's more positivity because of it, you know? <laughs> there's more joy in going, walking into yeah. a house. Yeah, there's more joy and it's less complicated than having to sell and buy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they've never gone through it before. So, you know, every once in a while someone who like, you know, they think they know more than me and they're trying to tell me what to do. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't find that as often with first time mm-hmm. buyers because they trust you to take them through the process correctly. So what uh, is, what is kind of like the biggest mistake I guess you've seen with home buyers? I think with home buyers, they'll come in and they just, you watch HGTV, and as much as I love that channel, they make it seem so simple. You know, <laughs> you, you see three houses. houses. <laughs> yeah, you, exactly. You're going to see three houses. You're going to get the one you want. And it's just so much more than that. You know, you're going to have to consider whether or not you're willing to waive your home inspection because you're competing with five other offers, and there's probably someone in the bunch who's going to waive it. Are you willing to do that? So I think the biggest mistake people make is they come in thinking, that they're not going to have to, I don't, I, I just, I think they think it's going to be easier than it actually is. And mm. so it's a more complicated than people think. And so that's why, like, I really like doing the, um, home buyer, like, uh, you know, call initial call. Cause I'll go through all the contingencies with them and be like, okay, these, this is what you're going to come up against. So this is what you need to be thinking about from the get go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just think coming in, like every people are naive I guess and I can't blame them because before I got into this I didn't know any of this stuff either but yeah I feel like they come in and into it naive usually they get beat up a little mm. and then mm. they put in a really good offer and get a house down the road but yeah sometimes it takes a little bit and then on the seller side honestly in this market there's so much competition if the house is set up well and it's priced well it should sell mm. and it should sell fairly quickly um, so I just, with some, you know, the, I think the biggest mistake a seller can make is if the house isn't ready to go and it's on the market and it looks bad, then that's going to hinder them. Especially, especially with a listing, your first week out the gate is going to be when you gain the most attention and traction from buyers. Mm-hmm. That's when everybody's going to get the alert that something new has come on the market and so if you don't take advantage of that first week and the house sits, it starts to look bad. Even have, if the house is, you know, totally fine. Have you had properties like that where it's just like it sits forever because the seller didn't or or maybe someone who's I. OK, this is what I really wonder. I feel like you see it in a lot of like old TV shows when like people don't really want to sell their house but they have oh. to sell their house, you know, and they're like, but I have so many yeah. memories. Why are they offering me this low, low price or things like that? Do you have I, to kind of confront that? I don't see that that often. You know, one thing I do see more often than not is if there's a tenant in place and they have to allow people through for showings, that's where you're going to get some pushback because the seller, want, the landlord wants to sell his house, but the tenant is pissed that there's people coming through. And so mm-hmm. I've certainly been in situations where, I'm having a hard time getting the tenant clean as much as they should <laughs> or, or, you know, I'm on the flip side on, but I'm, I'm on the buyer side and we go buy a house and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, wow, this is a disaster. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, yeah. 
Have you ever felt the need to kind of like talk a client out of buying a house? Oh yeah. And what were like reasons for that? Like I just wanted I want to know the juicy gossip. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> why would you say don't buy this one? Well, I mean there's two two reasons I would say that are most prominent to me. The first is if you go in there in the H like the HVAC system, the heating and air system, if that's super old, replacing that costs about seven thousand dollars. Yeah. And then if you've got an old roof, depending on how big it is, if it's a townhouse, it's probably like thirty five hundred. If it's a detached home, you know, it could be eleven you know, it could be eleven thousand, it could be seventy five hundred. Mm-hmm. But essentially if I walk in a home and everything needs to be updated and I know that is gonna be a money suck. I will say, like, you should really think about it, <laughs> you know, um, because truthfully, even if you have a home inspection contingency, uh, the likelihood that you're going to talk the seller into replacing those older items is just low. Mm. Um, the other time that I, and I would say this is probably the most frequent scenario for me, is if a house is overpriced. Mm. If a house is overpriced, I've pulled the data and all the homes that have sold in that area sold for like $20,000 less. And all of a sudden this house is listed for $20,000 more and you're competing. So you have to come in over list price. I usually tell my clients, again, I think you really need to think about it. If you love the home, then go for it. But if you are hesitant at all, because if you, you know, let's say they had to come in $5,000 over and it was already listed $20,000 over what the house is listed at. Mm-hmm. So you're 25k deep mm-hmm. in a, and you need to the house to appreciate that much to even make it so that it's worth what you purchased it for I just that's the biggest thing is I don't I don't like when clients buy a house and they have to way overpay mm. for the house a lot of times I will say well, why don't we like why don't we move on to the next one because this might not be the wisest financial decision and does I guess, like, do you ever have qualms or have you ever heard of people having qualms doing that? Because it's like, if you if the, if you pay more for the house, you get more of a commission. I just think people at that point trust me. Because that's, mm-hmm. that is, it's weird. It's, just, it's never, like, the motivation for me. Like, I sincerely want every client to find a home that they really love. Mm-hmm. But I also want them to get a good deal. And so... A lot of my clients have said to me, we really enjoyed working with you because you were patient. Mm-hmm. We never felt pressured. You were always encouraging us. Mm-hmm. Um, and encouraging us whether that was, you should buy this house or you shouldn't. So here's the thing. Like at the end of the day, the client more than likely will end up buying a house. So I'll get my commission eventually. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's all about them having a good experience because I really want them to have a good experience. A, because I want them to be happy because mm-hmm. I, I care about my clients. But also be like, you know, half, most of my business is referral based. So I need to make them comfortable and make sure they have a good experience in order for them to recommend me to their friends. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I guess I guess, you know, maybe like you said, if, if things are escalating, people could be like, well, your commission's growing. But I think they understand like that's never the intent. If I tell people they need to escalate more, it's because they're going to mm-hmm. lose and do it. What do you think is, like, your number one 
tip, I guess, for buyers. I remember, like, I when I had lofty dreams that one day I would be able to afford a house. You will. <laughs> <laughs> um, or at least, like, a one-bedroom condo shack somewhere. Um, you were telling me, you were like, I remember you were like, it's not about how much you want to spend total, but, like, how much do you want to pay a month? And so, yeah. like, little advice like that. I think is yeah. really important because I thought about it more as like, okay, do you want to spend like 200,000, mm-hmm. you know, on this house? Like that seems quote unquote reasonable, but yeah. you're like, no, it's more about like, okay, well, what do you want to pay a month? So, I mean, yeah. what are there like tips like that, that have you learned along the way? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a good one. I, I would say when people are considering purchasing a home, I definitely would talk to a lender because they're going to be able to give you some invaluable insight. But the biggest thing is you can go to a lender and say, look, I want to spend $3,000 a month and I don't want to spend more than that. And they will like back math it and tell you what budget you can afford. Mm. So like the two numbers that you need to be really comfortable with are the amount you're going to pay monthly and then the amount you need to bring to settlement day. And there's two different things that are included in your settlement day amount. Your down payment, but a lot of things that people don't think about is the closing costs. Mm. So let's say you're putting 5% down. You need to bring that 5% to closing, but you also need to bring an extra about 2.5% to pay for all the closing costs. Closing costs are going to be, you know, the taxes that you're paying to the county um, for them to record the new deed and and that kind of thing. and what you're paying to the lender. So that's what I, that's one tip I would give people is, you know, those are the two numbers you need to be comfortable with. So, you know, you have enough in your savings to pay at settlement day and that you're making enough money to be comfortable monthly with your payment. And Um, yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say the other thing I would just tell people, especially in this market is the sooner you get in to see a house that you like, the better, um, things are just going under contract so fast lately that don't wait for the open house. Like I, I can't encourage people enough. This is why you should work with an agent. Like you need to get in there quick and beat the competition to it. But like, if you're one of the first offers and you just have a much better chance of getting the home. Mm, I like that. Do you like, I mean, what was, what was kind of your, home buying experience like were you your own agent yeah (laughs) running around to houses and I purposely looked in the middle of winter Mm. um so a lot of people ask me you know like when's the best time to look and it depends um you know a lot of people have to base it on when their lease is ending but spring and fall are going to be the most competitive Mm. competitive times of year everything's out the window this year because of covid like that, you know, it's just funky. It's, it's really odd that in the middle of July we have like a super hot market. Mm, mm. Usually it slows down in June, July, and August. And then again in like November, December, January. Mm. Um, so it depends on how you look at it. Cause if you look during the hottest season, so if you look during, you know, March, April, May, or September, October, those are the times that we're going to see the most houses come available, mm-hmm. but also we see the most buyers out at that time. Mm. So there's more options, but it's more competitive. Mm. If you look during the slower seasons, like June, July, August, or uh, December and January, there's less options, but there's less buyers out. Mm. So Josh and I started looking in 
November and December, purposefully. So we ended up finding a great house that we like. We got it for under list price. And you got it for under list price? Yep. Look at you and your realty <laughs> smarts. Look at that. <laughs> so I yeah, I mean truthfully, if you have a little flexibility with timing, I thought it was a great time to buy. Yeah, we got it for under list price, which is that would not happen right now. Mm-mm. Um so it's a little bit harder because there's just less coming available. So you, you might get a little more nervous. I the biggest thing is Josh and I's lease was up in March and we started looking in November. So we started looking super early because we knew there was less inventory and we wanted mm-hmm. to give ourselves more time. But I wanted to buy in the dead of winter because I knew that was when we were going to get the best deal. Mm. And that's so that's so interesting that you say that like you were looking too early because I was just like, is it ever too early to look for a house? I mean, besides me, who's like on Zillow every other day. But like, you know. <laughs> yeah, well. I think like a lot of people will start looking three to four months before their lease ends. Mm. And that is the best way to, to time it up so that you don't have too much overlap in payments if you can't break your lease. Mm. So, I mean, we found, we closed in January. Mm. I mean, here's another tip for people. You don't get your first mortgage statement until you skip a month. So we closed in January. Mm-hmm. We didn't get our first mortgage statement until March. And that's oh my gosh! For everyone, so you skip a month. So we close in January. No mortgage payment in February. You start in March. Um, so that's how people usually time it. But we still had a double payment because our lease wasn't up until the end of March. But we just didn't want to be cornered, so we started. And and like I said, I wanted to buy. I knew I wanted to buy a house in either December or January, mm. which is that's what we ended up doing. And so, what has it like been? You know, during COVID being your own business like and selling you know what is what is that like I can't I I just in my head I can't picture it because I'm just like I don't know if I want to like go to a bunch of houses (laughs) yeah I was pretty nervous at first um especially you know I didn't know what was going to happen with where we were were we going to be considered essential Mm -hmm. um or not and I mean on top of that I'm licensed in Virginia DC and Maryland Mm. so you know, it was going to vary depending on what the state governors did. And, and so I was really nervous, but, um, I guess the good thing is we were able to work the entire time, which mm. honestly was so nice because I, you know, I just, I didn't really have a huge interruption in business. Um, but it's not super hard to follow like the social distancing guidelines. You know, I would go, I would have a mask, I would have gloves, I'd open the door for my clients, and then I would just essentially, you know, give them their six feet of space. <laughs> just hang out outside. Cluster people, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't all that bad. Um, so, but I, I, it just it was a little scary because you didn't know what to expect. Like you said, do people actually want to go see houses? Mm-hmm. And actually, part of the reason it is so competitive and just like, the market is crazy right now is because a lot of people aren't listing their houses this year Mm -hmm. because they don't want people coming through which I totally understand Mm -hmm. Um, but we've still got just as many buyers out because interest rates are great right now Mm. and so between less listings we already had an inventory crisis and Mm -hmm. there's less listings because of COVID and then on top of that, there's more buyers out because interest rates are like historically as low as we've ever seen them. Mm. And between the two, the bidding wars are like out of control right now. <laughs> so you feel, do you feel like you've had like a harder time getting your clients their houses that they oh, want? Yeah. 
-hmm. And have you had, like, what happens, I guess, when a a client doesn't get the house they want, you know? It's hard. They've got to keep going and put in another offer. And honestly, in this market, usually you put in two or three before you get a house. Wow. See, that feels like a lot of work. It is. And it's, yeah, it's a lot more work on my end, too, because it's like I'm running around Mm -hmm. way more than usual because it takes so much longer for my clients to go under contract. Do you feel like, is it, is it like, could I see house A, B, and C and put in an offer on all A, B, and C? Or do you have to wait for A to say no, then go to B, wait for them to say no, and then go to C? You technically could, but man, you'd be risky. I wouldn't do it, truthfully, because... I have had a couple of times where, like, there's an offer deadline on Friday, meaning the seller's going to review contracts on Friday for one house and on Sunday for the other house. Mm-hmm. So we put in offers for both, and then, you know, we knew, we would know by Friday if we got one of them, so we'd withdraw the other offer if ours was selected, mm-hmm. or we'd just leave it in the in the ring if it wasn't selected. But mm-hmm. um, it has to be timed out right, because if you have three offers in and yours is accepted on two different houses, uh you could probably get out if you have contingencies you could but i don't know is it is it if someone accepts your offer is it like then you're committed well you that's what the contingencies are there for so like Mm. you can back out of your offer if the home inspection doesn't go well so you could back out but i just don't feel like ethically and like acting on good faith that's not a good way to do it so Mm -hmm. i've never submitted offers where like we just had multiple in like anytime i've done it it's because i knew we were going to hear back on one house before Mm -hmm. the other and you could pull out before yeah exactly but Mm. you you technically could if you wanted to really risk it i don't feel too good about doing that though so like i i wouldn't recommend it to people um is there any is there like anything that you feel like clients get too caught up in like when you go into a house like i don't know i we always keep referencing hgtv but i think about like on those shows, people will go into the house and they're like, oh my gosh, the wall is like this pink color and I don't want that. And you're like, obviously in your head, you're like, you can just paint the walls. It's not like a lot. Are there little things like that? Do you feel like people get hung up on? Yes. Every once in a while, I'll get someone who's like very, very detail oriented and like they get fixated on things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I don't even know what, like, that's ah, not even important, but, <laughs> but yeah, it does happen on occasion. And you just have to remind people, especially in this market, and a lot of times, like I said, I work with first-time home buyers. probably the first house you buy is not your forever dream home. Mm. Like, I, you need to really like it, of course, because it's a big investment, but mm-hmm. like I said, it's, it's, and this is probably me, like, coming in from my real estate angle, but when Josh and I were looking for a house, I think I was more so, um... I was looking for a good investment and like, and it needed to balance with a good investment, something that would be good on the resale side. Um, but that we also really liked, but it, it, I think some people will go out and they're like, I'm going to find my, my absolute dream home on mm-hmm. their very first home. And I'm like, you're not, you know, a, you're probably going to have to put in a few offers to get the house. So if you think there's one dream home out there that you need to get, like, we need to rethink like maybe I need to manage expectations a little bit better. <laughs> but you might like you know god forbid they find the house that's the dream home and they don't get it and then it's like well, well what do we mm-hmm. do so yeah I think it's about balancing out like does the utility of the house work out for what you need it for mm-hmm. is there enough space if you've got kids is there a backyard if you've got a dog 
do you need a garage? You know, that kind of stuff. The basics. Yeah. Do you like the aesthetic of the home? And are you okay with making small changes like painting, putting in new light fixtures, that kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Um, And then how good is it going to be in terms of resale? I mean, when Josh and I were looking at houses, we considered how close is it to the metro? Um, What are the school ratings in the area? Mm -hmm. How big is it? Because, you know, maybe we'll rent it out someday. But if we go to sell it, does it have desirable qualities that will make it a good listing? Mm. And to me, all that stuff is more important than walking in and saying, you know what, like, I can just, this is my home. Like, Mm. a lot of things to think about, you know. That's so interesting that you say that, because, like, I guess I would still want it to be, like, this is my home versus, like, first, then think about all, like, the secondary of, like, near. uh, And I think people do walk in, and if they really like a house, they'll get a good feeling. So if people don't like a house, like, if they're not feeling it, I never encourage them to put in an offer. Mm. Like, I want want you to feel it and really like the home, but um, I think people also, you'd have to take a step back and realize that, it is a financial investment. So if you do, if you like it a lot and it fits your needs, then, you know, that's probably a safe bet Mm -hmm. to put an offering on that house. Mm. So Allie, the last question that I ask all my guests, and thank you so much for joining me today is how do you, how do you define being a woman or womanhood? This is a good question. (laughs) I think, I don't know, just, like, strength. Mm. I, I think sometimes we have to dig ourselves out of a deeper hole than other people. Mm. And I don't know. We just persevere. You know? I really feel that in this industry because, I, like I said, I I just feel like there's a, no offense, but there's a lot of old men out there who judge me when I walk in. And I mm-hmm. have to walk in and show them that I'm confident. And I know what I'm doing. And... You know, knock them off their feet. They're like, oh, where'd you come from? You're just this <laughs> bombshell that's going to come in and, and show us that a young woman can do a stellar job in real estate. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that you brought it back um, to, to real estate. Thank you so much. And that was yeah. a good answer. I like it. I, I enjoy all the answers, but I like that answer a lot. <laughs> Um, thank you for having me this was really fun yay I'm so glad Allie thank you so much for agreeing to come on because I think I asked you like two years ago when I first first started it's okay (laughs) you you just come around eventually yeah eventually I'll come back eventually we'll get there Um, (laughs) but this has been so great thank you so much Um, do you have anything that you want to give a shout out to before we peace out but just, you know, to Natalia, like, <laughs> seriously, though, this is awesome. I love the idea, and I just love that you're supporting women in business. So thank you for what you do. And uh, obviously, I'll promote this and try to, you know, make it so that we gain some followers. And um, I just think this is a really cool podcast. So I appreciate everything you do. Oh, thank you, Allie. So kind. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm going to still like link your Instagram and website and stuff in the okay. show notes. Because um, if you need a realtor, she is definitely one to go to. I already referred a friend to her. So. And they're closing on their house. Um, so I get to 
to see them tonight. I'm really excited. I know. They'll literally be homeowners by the time this episode comes out. So this is very exciting. Um, And thank you to all the listeners. If you want to connect with the show, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PrettyFaceLady3. Um, If you'd like to email us because you want to say hi, you want to be on the show, you know someone who could be on the show, please email us at PrettyFaceWomen at MTAPFPodcast.com. Um, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.